Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. It's week four of our Holy Spirit series. We, we call it our Holy Spirit series and we named it Fire is because in the Old Testament, uh, people often talked about the presence of God being fire in the, in the scriptures as we read. Uh, fire is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And, and we, we recognize that there is this connection between the Spirit of God and, and fire. And so we called it that and, and we're really excited about this series. And, um, you know, a few weeks ago, I talked about people being filled with the Spirit. And when you're filled with the Spirit, um, people spoke and it says that tongues of fire came to rest upon them. And we talked about there being a sign that people were filled with the presence of God. If you haven't watched that message, you need to go back and watch it. Right? But, but there is a sign that people are filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and that sign is speaking in tongues. And so even though we know that that's true and it's kind of obvious, um, once you actually maybe see somebody speaking in, in tongues, uh, that's, people don't walk around just speaking like that all the time. And so, so it's sometimes it's hard for us to know uh, who is filled with the Spirit of God and, and who isn't. And people don't walk around with a, with a t-shirt that says, you know, um, I have God living in me. And even though probably someone actually does have that t-shirt, but, but I would not necessarily encourage you to wear one. Um, but people don't wear that kind of stuff. And so, you know, one of the reasons why the Spirit of God was given to us was to reach a world that needs to know who He is. And this is what I honestly believe. I think that people want to know who God is. I think that they want to know who He is. And so for us as Christian people, we want to reach that the world that's around us uh, and, and let people know that not only do we have a connection with God, but yes, that God is not only around, but He is also in us as well. And so there are signs, not just the fact that you're, that you're you know, speaking in tongues, but there are signs that people um, have the Spirit of God in them. And, and the Scriptures talk about this and they call it the fruits of the Spirit. And so some of the fruits of the Spirit that we see is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You can read about that in Galatians chapter 5. But these are things that happen in people that help other people to know that, hey, there is something special and unique. And, and I would say this, right? I think that the world can manifest some of those same emotions under the right circumstances. But I think as Christian people, when we can manifest those things and, and, and have that kind of fruit, like love and joy and peace uh, under situations where everything's crazy and it's not working out the way that we want it to work out, like if we could manifest those things when we're in lockdown, uh, or, or I think about even what's happening on the other side of the world right now in Afghanistan, if they're able to praise God and have peace and joy, that's the kind of peace that the world is interested in. And so I can tell you right now, that the Holy Spirit absolutely wants us and, and, and is leading us to live these kinds of lives. And what's my whole point? Well, I'm really saying to you that there is something about us that tells the world that God is in us. Come on, there's got to be something about us that tells people that God is in us. In us, And I think that we validate that message. If our claim is that God is in us, we've helped validate the reality of that message with how we live our lives. And I'm, I'm not talking about 
being perfect, all right? So, so if you're new to church and, and, and you're just trying to tune in and, and figure out what's going on right now, let me make something so clear. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ. It's not a result of how good we've been this week. Uh, it's not how amazing we are. We have a loving God who, who gave His only Son, who, who paid the penalty for our sins. And because of everything that He's done, we have salvation through Jesus Christ. And, and we come into relationship with God, all right? So we all know that we're saved by grace through faith in Christ. So when I talk about validating the message that God is in us, uh, with the way that we live our lives, I'm not talking about perfection. I'm not saying that you need to be a perfect person, but I am talking about how you practice. I'm talking about how you live your life. Listen to this. John or 1 John 3, 9 says that no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. No one who's born of God makes a practice of sinning, right? What am I saying? I'm saying you've got to try. You have got to, there's got to be something about you that says, I'm making intentional decisions to bring my life into alignment with what the Word of God says. You know, grace doesn't exist for us to be able to sin and get away with it. That's not what it's for. It's actually meant to be empowerment that brings us into the presence of God and allows us to stop doing the wrong things. So what am I saying? We've got to try. By the way, right, when it says being born of God, what does it really mean to be born of God? How are we born of God? Well, it's actually a work of the Holy Spirit. It's a work that the Spirit does in us. And in John 16 verse 8, it says this, that the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. As Christian people, we have a deep conviction about the reality of what's wrong and what's right and the fact that we'll be judged on it. Like Christian people have this. And people that are not Christian people, they, they don't have this, which is often why their values are different, why they live different lives. But as Christian people, we have a conviction about this. We feel it. We sense it. We know it. We know that God has spoken to us about it. And it's just like, like somewhere you just know in your Noah that this is real and this message is real. Now, the Spirit of God will come and convict, of, uh, convict us of what's wrong. But the devil has like his own version of that and it's called condemnation. So, so the devil will come along and condemn you. Now, the Spirit of God convicts you to bring you into the presence of God so you feel wrong about it and correct your life. The devil will condemn you to make you feel bad about what you did, but so that you don't go to him because it's shame-based and he wants to keep you from the presence of God. And so the devil condemns, but the Spirit of God convicts. And when the Spirit of God convicts you, you feel it. Like you just feel it in, 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 in yourself. You, sometimes you know it or, or, or you sense it. You have an awareness about the fact that you've done something wrong, right? It's in, it's in your feelings there somewhere. And I want to tell you today that what I'm talking about is not your conscience. It's not your conscience. Because I reckon there's a, there's a bunch of people out there that could listen to this message and say, yeah, we know what you're talking about talking about when you feel bad when you do something wrong it's called a conscience man and everyone has one right well I get that but but I'm not talking about your conscience so, so your conscience is this thing in you that actually this this inner gives you this inner sense of what's right and what's wrong and the reason that you have that is because you are created in the 
image of God. You are imago Dei. Because we've been created in the image of God, so God is Father, Son, and Spirit. We are body, soul, and spirit, right? And so there is this innate sense in us when we do things wrong. That's because He's given us a conscience. Now, your conscience exists as part of this general revelation of God. Because there is this general sense in life that God is real, right? We have a conscience as part of that. But I want to tell you today that when it comes to your conscience, your conscience is not infallible. Your conscience will shift. And we already know this. I can say it to you right now. Just look around at the world that we live in. We live in a world where people feel totally comfortable about doing things that we are horrified about. And we're seeing that in Afghanistan right now. And they do it with a clean conscience, right? How is it possible to have a clean conscience and do some of the things that we're seeing around the world? And, and, and that's on a mass scale. But even in our own culture and society, come on, look around. People are guided by their consciences and people feel completely righteous about doing things. People, other people feel that the, the same things that one person thinks is righteous, another person says is not righteous, you know? So our consciences are completely different. I mean, our consciences is why there is so much variation and, and, and different values in the world, right? So, so we know that the conscience shifts and moves. And in fact, the Apostle Paul speaks about your conscience. He says, it's possible to actually sear your conscience. And so what does it mean when your conscience is seared? It means that, well, come on, you know how this works. You can just keep repeating the same behaviors until you eventually stop feeling bad about them. Uh, your conscience can shift as you get enlightened or more information or as your values shift, you know? Let me, let me give you an example of this, right? So, so ever, all of us know that when you're driving a car, right, that you're not supposed to go over the speed limit, okay? And so when you are a, a, maybe a learner or maybe you get your P's, you know, you're thinking, Hey, I've got to stay under the speed limit, right? But when you've been driving for, you know, 20, 25 years, you start to think, oh, look, I can just comfortably drive uh, just four kilometers over the speed limit, just four, right? Because they're going to take off, they're going to do some deductions and they'll take a, take a little bit off, right? And that's pretty close to, so you start to try to figure out where the mark is, right? And, and so... You just, you know, the first time, maybe you didn't feel so good about it, right? But you've been driving for 25 years, 30 years, 40 years. And now you're just like, maybe comfortably, you just drive around about 5Ks above the speed limit. And you don't actually feel bad about it. First of all, it felt kind of dangerous, but you've been doing it for 40 years. No one's ever caught you. So you don't feel bad about it until the moment you see the sirens and the lights flashing behind you. And suddenly you feel bad. Now, isn't it bad when your conscience only kicks in once you've got caught? So it doesn't actually feel bad until the moment that you get caught. Wouldn't it be terrible if people had consciences that gave them permission to do things up until the moment of judgment and suddenly they feel bad because they suddenly realize, yes, you're right. In fact, I have been doing these things all this time and, and, and now um, I realize that it's wrong. And so, and so the Spirit of God comes to convict us and, and, and tell us when things are wrong. And I want to tell you today that when the Spirit of God convicts you of anything, right? Don't, don't, don't try to pass it off as condemnation. You say, that's just the devil getting on me, right? Stop, stop blaming the conviction of the Spirit on the devil. Maybe God is convicting you about some things because of what He really wants to do is help you. 
Don't resist the help of the Holy Spirit. Don't resist what the Spirit of God is trying to say to you. Don't resist the leading of the Holy Spirit. You need to lean into that. You know, for me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a dad. I have three kids, and I care so much about them that when the stove is hot, I tell them don't touch it. And it's because I don't want them to hurt themselves. Well, we've got a spirit that wants to do the same thing. He loves you so much. He's willing to tell you when you've crossed the line. He's willing to tell you when you've done things that are wrong. And so you need to lean into that. And why does he want to do that? Because he's actually helping. The Spirit of God is actually our helper. I don't know if you're aware of that. The Spirit of God is our helper. He comes to convict. He comes to counsel. Listen to what it says in John 14, verse 26. It says, the counselor, which is the name of the Holy Spirit, right? So, so, so many people... I don't know if your only idea of relationship with God is that you just bring him your sins and he just absolves you of them. Or maybe you think, you know, that, that uh, your relationship with God functions where he just tells you what's wrong, right? But he wants to counsel you, talk you through things, lead you, guide you. Listen to this. The counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. And I want to tell you that if God is your father, if God is your father, you'll listen to him. You know why? Romans 8.14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Here's my point. The Spirit of God will help you. He will lead you. He will guide you. But you have to listen to him. And in fact, like, if you take one thing away from this message today, it's probably this point, okay? He will help you, but you have to listen to Him. You have to lean into Him. Otherwise, it just doesn't work, right? Now, I understand that to, to lean into Him, to listen to Him, you've got to learn how to hear His voice, right? And this is where it starts to get a little bit tricky because what you've got to do is discern the difference between your voice God's voice, uh, the voice of your enemy, right? You've got to kind of discern. And this is where it gets kind of tricky for people. And I'm telling you right now, I have had people that have come to me and said to me, Pastor, this is what God told me. God said, right? Now, every time that I hear that, and, and that is true. That's real because I believe that, look, everyone can hear God. And God speaks to people and there's no doubt that that happens and it's legitimate and it happens all the time. But every now and then, someone will come to me and say to me, Pastor, God told me. And I listen to it and I'm like, oh no, he didn't. No, because God would never say anything like what you just said to me. The problem is the way it's presented is that as soon as anybody says that God told them, it's like the ultimate trump card. It's like there's no there's no pathway for feedback. There's no way to give feedback. People that say God said are not normally always looking for feedback, right? They're just kind of telling you what he said. And there are times where I think, no, I'm like, I don't think that that was God that told you to say that. In fact, that, that might be you. And actually what you just told me, that might even be the devil trying to give you permission to sin only to condemn you about it later on. I mean, we've got to be discerning about the voices that we hear and the thoughts that we have. I'll give you an example of this. And this is kind of sad, but I remember I caught up, this is a number of years ago, 
I, I, I caught up with a lady who had been married for just a couple of years. And she said to me, um, Pastor Ben, I, I want to get divorced. And I said, well, firstly, this is horrible. That's sad. I, I said, I, I'm so sorry to hear that, that you even are having this conversation with me, but, but come on, like, let's talk about it. Like, what do you mean? Like, why do you want to get, why do you want to get divorced from your, from your husband? I said, can I ask a couple of qualifying questions? She said, yeah. I said, well, I said, um, you know, has there been any adultery in the marriage? Like, ha- has, has your husband broken the covenant of, of your marriage by having an affair or something? She said, oh, no, nothing like that. I said, oh, okay. I said, is there any kind of domestic violence, like a, a reason to, to, to leave for your safety? And she said, oh, no, nothing, nothing like that. I said, okay. Um, I said, is, is, there, is there anything that you can think of that your husband has done to thoroughly break the covenant, which would be the releasing factor, I guess? You know, is there anything that's, that's broken the covenant of marriage that you made before God? And she said, oh, no, nothing like that. I said, well, could you just tell me then, because I'm, I'm struggling here. I said, why do you want to get a divorce? And she said, well, I just don't think we're as, com- as compatible as I, as I first thought. And I said, well, I'm really sorry that you feel like that. And there's an element of me that says, wow, that's, that's no good to be in that situation. I said, but you know what? I said, I, I just can't find a biblical reason for you to get a divorce. I'm saying, you know, try counseling. I'm saying there's all kinds of other things that you can do, but the place that you arrive at is not, hey, we just need to to get a divorce. This is a, a covenant before God. This is a serious thing. And she said, no, no, no. She said, I prayed about it and I feel like God is totally okay with this. And I thought, oh gosh, I really don't think so. Um, it's weird that you got permission when God would never say anything like that. And so I asked her a question. I said, hey, do you think it would be okay if I got a divorce and, and continued to, to lead the church and, and pastor the church? And she said, oh, no, I don't think you could do that. I said, well, can I ask you a question? Like, is, do you think that there's like one rule for you and one rule for me? Like, like, like it's okay for you, but it's, it's not okay for me? I said, listen, I said, my heart breaks for you, but I've got the same rules that you do, and I'm bound by the same things that you are. And we're both human beings before God. And I'm telling you right now, if I can't do it, you can't do it. And as we began to unpack it, she said, oh, you know, I think that you're right. But what was interesting to me is she came to a place where she said, I think God would be okay with this. And we have to be so discerning about when God is speaking to us and when it's really just maybe just us wanting something or maybe it's the enemy just encouraging us to move into an area of our life that he'll later condemn us about and ultimately try to shame us and and bring us away from God. I think this is probably why Jesus said that when you pray and when you fast, because if you have a lifestyle of prayer and fasting, it's something that you do on a regular basis. And you know, fasting, what that does is it eliminates all the other distractions in your life so that you can just zone in on the voice of God. And if you have a, a habit of zoning in on the voice of God, when it comes time to actually trying to discern the voice of God and you're under pressure, you have been trained over years to listen to His voice and filter out the ones that are you and filter out the ones that will later condemn you and just land in the space where God wants you. And it's so important to have that kind of lifestyle so that you can get it and understand it. And so like for some of you that are listening to this today, I'm sure that you're 
like, okay, well, how do I actually hear the voice of the Spirit? Like, when do I, what do I know? How do I know when God is speaking to me, right? Well, l- let me give you a little tip. This is pretty basic, this one. But God will never tell you to do anything that's out of alignment with what the Word of God says. And that is one of the reasons why not only do you need a, a prayer and fasting life, but you need a word life. And because the more you become familiar with His words and what He wants in this book, the, the clearer you are on when God speaks to you because you know that what He says is in alignment with His Word. Now, that's a pretty basic, like fundamental part of being a Christian. But let's be honest for just a minute. There are a million, million decisions that you need to make all of the time, right? And the Bible says nothing about them. It might give you direction on marriage. It might tell you how or what's important to to be in a good marriage, right? It just doesn't tell you who you should actually marry. So all the single people out there are like, well, I want to know if this is the person that I should marry. Should I marry them? Should I not marry them? I mean, the Bible doesn't say anything about that. I can't like open up to Ecclesians and it says, "Uh, Pastor Ben, you will marry Sarah. And she will be a wife and you will have three children. Like, I wish that it was like that so we could just see it and it would be easy and everything would be simple, right? But it doesn't do that. So like when I was thinking to myself, man, do do I want to marry this person, Sarah, right? I prayed to God about it and I'm asking God for signs about it and I want Him to speak to me about it because I need the voice of the Spirit of God to lead me in some decisions, right? And, and, and my point is simply this. Everything that I'm talking about right now, this is why you need a guide, not a conscience because your conscience can't help you with the things that I'm talking about. You need a guide, not a conscience. Your conscience will move boundaries. Your conscience can be seared. Your conscience can start at one point, but over time be twisted and changed and shift. But when it comes to the Spirit of God, He doesn't shift. He doesn't change. He's going to stay right where He is. So you need to anchor yourself to the voice that doesn't move, the one that represents God, and not to the one that can shift with the seasons and the things that you're going through. And so this is how it works with the Holy Spirit. He will speak to you, right? And and, and you listen to His leading or, or maybe His direction on things. And then, and this is important, right? Then you partner with what He says. Because at the end of the day, that's where it really counts. That's where it really matters. I'm sure that God has spoken many things to many people and nothing happens because they simply choose to go with their conscience over their conviction of the Spirit. And they don't listen to the right voice. You've got to partner with the voice of God. So so let me be super practical because I am kind of a practical person. and, And let's just talk about how we might hear the voice of God for a minute. Sometimes when it comes to hearing God, sometimes we just get a feeling. Like it's not an audible voice from God. In fact, I I really don't know too many people that have heard an audible voice that has thundered from the heavens and spoken. You know what it is sometimes? It's a sense. It's just you have a sense of something. Sometimes you just have a knowing about something. You just know. You don't know how you know, but you just know. Sometimes it's 
an impression that you get. Sometimes it's a thought that you have. Right? This is how God speaks to people. It's all of these things. I, was, I remember I was at my house uh, maybe a couple months ago and, and this guy had walked past my house. It's a pretty cold day. He's wearing, I think it was like shorts and, and thongs and he kind of stuck out to me and I thought, that's odd. And I kept doing things around the house, but I, I'd seen him out the window. We have a park that's not far from our house, so people are always walking up and down the street. And, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not watching these people. <laughs> and then this guy walks, and I see, but I see him. And so I'm in my garage and doing some things, and I see him a second time, right? But there's something about this guy that's really got my attention. And, and, and I saw him, and he, and he had sort of disappeared. I just saw, saw the back of him, and I thought, man, I... God, I feel like you want me to speak to this person and, and, and you bring him by my house again and I'm going to speak to this guy. And, and so what happens? Well, there he is again. And, and I walk down to the edge of my driveway, you know, because I didn't have a mask. So I got as far as I can get before I hit the, the footpath. And, I, and I, said, I said, hey, mate. And he looks over and I said, how are you? And it's such a weird thing to, to do in some way, right? But I, I just start speaking to this guy. How's your day? How are you going? What's going on? He starts to tell me all about his life. What's really weird is that we're shouting across the road because he's on the other side of the road, right? And so I think, well, man, I've got to tell this guy about Jesus, right? So, so I said to him, hey, listen, buddy, you've tried a lot of things. So I'm, I'm speaking to this guy, but I'm actually really sharing the gospel with my entire neighborhood, okay? Because I've got to get the message from where I am to where he is. So I'm talking to this guy and I just say, you've tried everything else, man. Why don't you try Jesus, right? Well, now I've got his attention. He's just kind of looking at me, right? And, and, and I'm saying, you've got to try Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus, right? So I, I just start preaching the gospel in my neighborhood across the street to this guy that was walking past. And, and, and it was such a funny and weird conversation. He, he came across to my side of the street, right? And, and we're talking and he's asking questions, right? But he was really kind of wary of me. In fact, to tell you the truth, right? He actually accuses me of luring him with hope in the gospel. I said, buddy, I said, just so you know, I said, there's no lure, right? I said, I, I don't really get anything out of this, right? I wasn't even, I didn't even, I didn't tell him I was a pastor. I didn't tell him that I, I about our church, right? Because when you want to lead someone to a place of salvation, right? Lead them to Jesus, not the church. Church is important, amen, right? But we, we got to lead people to Jesus, right? He's the one that does the saving. So I'm not saying, hey, come to church and hoping for the, 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 the soft entry where the preacher will get up and ultimately tell them about the gospel. I'm like, I can do it right now. He could get saved right now. So, so I just preached the gospel to this guy, right? And so anyway, the, my point is, is that, you know, it was, there was a prompt in my spirit. I saw him and there was a prompting and that conversation and everything that we talked about was on the other side of me just having my spiritual antenna up and saying, God, do you, do you want to do something with this situation? Do you, do you want to do something with this guy's life? You know, I want to tell you that God speaks to you how you hear him. And some people, they get a prompting. Some people get an impression. Some people will get a thought, but he will speak to you in a way that you will hear him and be able to understand him. But, but, but let me just asterisk this and tell you, if every time God speaks to you, he's telling you everything that you want to hear, um, you are your own God, right? Because there are moments where God should come to you and say, stop and don't. And this is too far and here is the line and don't say this and don't take that job or 
you know, there are times where God will come and speak to you. L listen to this, right? And then this is the whole point. This is why you can't just be led by your conscience because your conscience doesn't tell you these things. You need the Spirit of God, right? Acts 16 verse 6, it says, And they went through the region of Phygia, or Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Now, if you were to just check in with your conscience and say, hey, is it a good idea for me to share the gospel, right? Every time, if you've got a, you know, the Spirit has spoken to you, right? What happens every time is it's going to say yes, right? Your, 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 your conscience should say yes. But it's interesting that when we read this, Paul doesn't check with his conscience. He checks his convictions from the Spirit. It's weird that the Spirit of God says, yeah, 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 I know it's a good idea to share the gospel, but I don't want you to do it in Asia. Why is that? Because the Spirit of God has other plans. And what we're supposed to do is find the plans of God and work in with Him. And that's why you can't be led by your conscience, because it won't give you that extra piece of information. You need that from Him. Have you ever been in the car and, you know, you set the GPS and, and you start to take off in the direction that it leads you, but after a while you're like, I know what I'm doing. I don't need your help anymore. And you just decide that you're going to take a shortcut or you know really where to go. And, you know, this GPS is saying, turn left, do a U-turn, next exit, right? And you're like, no, no, no. I know what I'm doing, right? And then what you didn't realize is that your GPS was updated with traffic conditions that you weren't aware of. And so even though what you thought should be true was true, you find yourself 10 minutes later stuck in traffic and thinking, should have just listened to the voice of my GPS, right? Well, it's the same thing with the Spirit of God. I should have just listened to His voice instead of going with what I thought was right. I needed to listen to Him. I needed to listen to the voice and the Spirit of God. That's when we partner with Him. We are not only listening to what He says, but we are obeying what He says, right? Listen to this, Galatians 5, 16 to 17. It says, But I say, walk, which really means to live. That's what He's saying. But I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh, which is what? They're talking about sin, okay? So if you live by the Spirit, you won't always be trying to satisfy the sinful desires that you have. It says, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do, right? So my point to you is this, right? If, if you say you have a connection with God and you say that God is in you, there should be something about you that tells us and validates that message that you declare that God is in you, right? And it's the fruit of our decisions. It's the fruit of the choices that we make. How many of you would know that your walk talks more than your talk talks? You know, your walk talks more than your talk talks. You can say whatever you want, but at the end of the day, how do you live? You can say you believe anything you want. You can confess anything you want, right? But what's the decisions like in your life? Where are they leading you? What are you doing? And, and, and where are your boundaries? Do you, do you put in life the boundaries that your conscience says are good? Or do you like read the scriptures to make sure that your conscience comes into alignment with his convictions and start to put some boundaries in place in, 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 in your life? See, God may have a purpose for you, and I believe that He does have a purpose for everyone, but that purpose 
only comes to fruition when you listen to the voice of God and obey the voice of God. When you listen to what the Spirit is saying and you do what the Spirit of God says. You've got to listen and you've got to follow, right? Now, I, I think that sometimes what happens is, is that we know that God has a plan for our lives, right? But we also have a plan for our life. And I don't know what your plans are, but it would be nice if, if, if God's plan for us was to make us rich and powerful and successful and all of these things, right? But, and those things may happen. Let me tell you what God's plan is for your life. And I know this right now. His plan is to transform you to become more like Jesus. Now, He's got a series of decisions, right, that will help craft you and shape you and mold you to become more like your Savior. But guess what? At every turn, at every fork in the road that you come to, if you're led by the Spirit of God and you follow the Spirit of God, those decisions will help lead you and shape you and mold you and transform you to become the person that God wants you to be. But if every time you just keep moving in a different direction and you don't listen to the voice of God, guess what? Everything that God wants to do in you is not going to happen, which is why you got to do what? you got to listen to the voice of God and you've got to partner with Him by following the voice of God. I mean, this is just so important that you do this. Let me explain to you how this whole process works. Firstly, if you, if let's just take somebody that's not a Christian person, right? The first thing that you need to do is just start the direction that you're going in. And, and, and you change direction and you say, I'm going to go after Jesus. I'm going to go after my Savior, right? Well, the biblical word that we would use for that is repentance. And it just means, hey, I'm not going to go this way anymore. I'm actually going to turn around and I'm going to follow after Jesus. I'm changing my mind about the direction that I'm going. Now, when that happens and you say, God, oh, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior, right? And you mean it and you begin to follow Him. What happens? In that moment, you become what we call justified. It's when God's grace is upon you. Jesus' perfect life is transferred to you and, and He takes all of your sin, right? It's what we call justification. But then that's just the first part. And we don't want to live lives where we give our lives to Jesus and we say, great, now I've got a relationship with God, right? There's a whole follow-up process. What do we call that? Well, the process of following God and being transformed by God to become more like Jesus is what we call sanctification. It's the process of being made holy. But it happens when you partner with Him and you keep saying yes to Him. And at every fork in the road, you don't go with your conscience. You go with the conviction that the Spirit gives you. And the more you do that, the more you become like Jesus. That's what God's plan is for your life. And we, what do we call this? We call this the expulsive power of the new affection. It's just a, a theological term and this is what it means, right? You may have had a life where you were chasing after things, but the Spirit of God did what? Convicts you of sin and righteousness and of judgment. Suddenly you, you don't know why, but somewhere you just feel, you have a prompting, you have a sense, you have a knowing that God doesn't want you to do that anymore. It's not about just intellectualizing things and understanding it. There's a, there's a knowing in your heart and in your spirit that, that God is real. And you're just suddenly aware of it. And as a result of that, you change your life and you start to head in the direction that God is calling you to live, right? And it's not that you didn't have all of your desires. They didn't just disappear, right? 
You have this newfound love for God and because you love God so much and you, you care so much about what He wants for your life, that the love for God overwhelms the other desires. Something that you love even greater has come into your life and now you start to leave your old life behind and start to pursue the new life that God wants for you. Why? Because you love Him. But how did you know that? How did you know to love Him? How did you, where, where, where did that happen? I'm telling you, it's a sense of the Spirit of God that's at work in you. And it just communicates things that you just know and you have this sense, you have this feeling, you have this understanding about it, right? See, we are following the Spirit of God, but the Spirit of God is invisible. So when the world looks at our lives and looks at the fruit of our lives and how we speak and how we think and how we talk and what we're like under pressure, right? When the world looks at us, it can't see the Spirit. <laughs> He's invisible. They just see us. And there should be something about how we live that tells them we're being led by Him. There's something about us that reveals to us that God is in us, you know? I don't know if you ever have been on Facebook and there's this term that's become really familiar over the last couple of years. Do you know what a Karen is? Do you know what a Karen is? A Karen is a person who's normally, you know, a white American woman in her mid-30s to, to late-40s, somewhere in that vicinity, who's over-entitled and, and is just kind of crazy and it, and it creeps out and people record these things and they call them Karens. I feel sorry for all the Karens out there. There's so many beautiful Karens in the world. I'm sorry that you got labeled with this, right? But there are some really weird people that now people just call Karens, right? And there are probably some Karens out there that, that actually, you know, they are fantastic accountants but you would never listen to their advice because you just saw them go crazy because someone drove into a car park with an exhaust that was too loud for them and they just lost their mind about it. What am I saying? I'm saying when people see certain behaviors, it just kind of ruins everything else they have to say. You just won't take advice from someone once you've seen them in a, in a certain light. We're, we're supposed to represent God in a way where they go, wow, how do you do that? How do you think like that? Why do you have peace right now? Why, I, 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 don't, I don't even think like you, right? How come you're okay about this? How come you're okay in this situation or this circumstance, right? You, you know, your walk can ruin your witness. Why? Because character communicates convictions. And there's something about us that people see that communicates to them that God is actually in us. It, it validates the message that we have. And again, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about perfect, perfection. I'm talking about your practice. What's the practice of your life? Why? Because 1 John 3, 9 says that no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Listen to this. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 19 says, don't quench the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. The word quench, it actually means literally to put out the fire to put out the fire. You know, God wants to come and set us on fire. The presence of the Spirit of God to lead us and guide us. And how does that happen? He, he says things to us, but we've got to lean in and we've got to listen to it. Listen, stop putting out the fire. Stop quenching the Spirit. Stop going with your, your conscience 
instead of the conviction that God has, your conscience is fallible. It'll move boundaries. It'll shift things, right? But the conviction of God will lead you. It will guide you. And it says to the world, there's something that's in you. It communicates that truth. I think that the world needs us to be the church. It needs to see something spiritual. It needs that message to be communicated. Why? Because they're looking at us while we are following Him. Don't, don't, don't sear your conscience and keep moving boundaries and, and, and try to communicate that there is this connection that you have with God while openly you completely defy Him and keep, keep, keep moving in a, in a different direction. I think too often what happens is that people have their conscience that they follow and they bring the conviction of the Spirit of God into alignment with their conscience. No, that's the opposite of what we're supposed to do. I gotta think that sometimes my first inclination is wrong. The thoughts that I have are wrong. Some of my impulses are wrong. So what do I do? Well, I, I take the conviction of the Spirit and I bring my conscience, as hard as it might be, into alignment with the convictions of God. Now, now I'm starting to move in the right direction. I can't just listen to the desires of my heart and just assume that they're right. I'm gonna finish, I wanna finish with a story. I gotta ask you a couple of questions, but you know, a couple of years ago, I had a, a friend of mine who was a pastor of a church we would catch up and he would say some things from time to time. And I thought, oh, I don't know if I agree with that. It's a little bit wrong, I would think. I wouldn't really see things the way that you see them, but I don't know where you're going with this. He would just say some things that just seemed a little bit, maybe just a little bit off to me. So I open uh, Facebook one day and I see this big post that he put up. The post was about the fact that for a long time he'd had homosexual feelings and as a result of those things, he was actually leaving his wife. And I want to, I want to tell you, this guy's a great guy. I'm not, I'm not gonna make him out to be a bad guy because he, he's actually a great guy. I really, I like this guy. But he couldn't hide from who he was anymore on the inside or the struggles that he'd been ha ha having. So he, he, he divorced, he was divorcing his wife. He was gonna stop leading his church, right? But then he also said something else that was interesting. And I don't think he was really looking for feedback on it, but he said, I actually have gone to God with the thing that I'm struggling with. And I really believe that God is okay with this. And I thought, I love this guy, but I thought he was wrong. And I think this is the problem that can happen sometimes when we want to bring the conviction of the Spirit in alignment to our conscience. See, when our conscience is desperate to feel better and it doesn't want to feel bad, it just, it just moves the boundaries. And once I shift my thinking, if I, if I change my theology, right, then I can feel better about the impulses that I have, the desires that I have. But that's, that's, that's not meant to be how it's how it works with the Spirit of God. No, no, no. The impulses, the feelings, the thoughts, everything that I think, right? I, I bring that into alignment with what God says and, and I adjust my life accordingly. That is how we're supposed to live. You have a guide for life, but you must listen to Him. You gotta lean into Him. You've gotta listen to the voice of the Spirit. He will speak to you, He will help you, but you have to listen to Him. So here's my questions, just as I finish today. 
Is there an area of your life right now that you know is actually out of alignment with what God says? Is there some part of your life that at a certain point in your life you were feeling bad about it, but you've been repeating this pattern in your life so long and you've gone to God so many times with it that now you're starting to change your mind and think, I think He's really okay with it now. He gets me. He understands me. He knows that this is a struggle of mine. So I think He's just giving me permission to continue to pursue this life. And and I really feel okay about it. You know what's happening there? You're moving your conscience. And I'm saying that's the wrong thing to do. You, you, You need to bring your, or you're moving the convictions out. You need to bring your life into alignment with the convictions of God. Is, is there something in your life right now that if you were going to be honest with God, and maybe that's the only person that you can be honest with right now, because in actual fact, if you were to be honest with maybe your, your parents, maybe your, your friends, maybe, maybe your Christian friends, maybe it's your small group, right? Maybe it's your spouse. But if you were to be really honest about the things that you're struggling with right now, right? You just feel like you couldn't even talk about it. Well, maybe the first thing you need to do is go to God and say, Lord, I'm struggling with this. And and this is an issue in my life and I was trying to feel better about it, but now I'm I'm just going to bring it into alignment. So I I don't want to see you miss out on what God has for you because you aren't partnering with the way that God is meant to be leading you. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray really simply for anyone today that says, yep, I know what you're talking about there's an area of my life that's just a little bit out and I want to fix it. I want to bring it into alignment and I, and I, and I want to renew my conscience, right? Because what happens is when, when, when God moves on you, right? He can restore and renew your conscience. He can do it, right? But you've got to say yes to Him and you've got to choose Him, right? So just here you are just watching. Maybe you're at home, wherever you are right now and you say, I, I want to get this area of my life right. So I'm going to pray. And if this is you, I just want you to join with me right now. Father, for every single person that knows there's an area of their life that's just a little bit out. Lord, maybe some of them have been moving boundaries, hoping that eventually you'd become okay with their sin, but you're not. Lord, you want to do the opposite, which is to bring them and their convictions or their consciences into alignment with the conviction of your spirit. I pray for a renewal. Pray for a fresh move of your spirit. Pray for an awakening in their soul. I pray, God, for the restoration of their conscience. I pray, God, that if they feel alone, they would realize that there are people to help, but they've got to be honest about where they're at first. There needs to be a problem before you can confess it. So, Lord, if there's challenges or issues, I pray for people right now, Lord, that your conviction would be upon them and they would say, yes, God, I'm saying yes to you and no to that behavior. I don't want to do that stuff anymore. I want to bring my life into alignment with you so that when I stand up and confess that you are in me, there is a life that validates the truth of that message. And I pray for your presence to move fresh in their lives today. Lord, come and do a new work. I love God that you say that when when we become Christians, right, we're not just the same as everyone else is saved by grace. We're a completely new creation. Behold, the old is gone. The new has come. And I pray, God, that as that happens, Lord, that you bring everything about that decision into alignment with the future that's attached to it. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. 
So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.